Oh, join me in some prayer right now. Lord God in heaven, Lord, we invite you anytime you want to come. Come, Lord. Lord, bring your kingdom. It's here within us, but Lord, we're ready for that second coming. God, there's so much going on in our world, Lord, we can get overwhelmed. Yet we are here in a sanctuary, here in a place where we can learn about you, God, experience you, but Lord, worship you, lift you up, esteem you, glorify your name. And God, we can do that through song, we can do that through an attentive heart, through looking into your word and letting your, your spirit speak through your living word, God. And so this morning, we, we pray that we would be illuminated, enlightened, and that, God, you would impress on our, on our souls what we need to hear. God, we love you so much. We ask that you would do a mighty thing. You know, God, just cover this place with your angels. Lord, any distractions. Lord, we just, we just ask that you would bind those, that you would put those aside. And right now, God, let us just enjoy you, experience you, and look into your word for what you would have us learn today. So God, we give it all to you in your son's name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. And that was David Freeman. So David, thank you so much for leading with, with the team. You know, we're blessed and, uh, you know, just to have so much, there's so much talent and it's just wonderful. And we have it all around us and, and God is gracious. God is good. And here we are. Now we're wrapping it up. I promised yesterday or last week when we were together, we're going to wrap up Jude and, and I just extended it for another week. And it's kind of fun because as I was praying through this and I, I was like, well, am I going to look at what I had prepared last week? And God just put on my heart as I, as I looked into the word and I was led by the spirit to give you something a little bit different today. Because as I looked at the passage and looked at Jude, one thing is a wonderful thing, is we are warned in Jude constantly, right? To watch out, to watch out for what's out there and what's infiltrating the church. And we have talked about that for four weeks. But why do we stand for the truth? What's, what's the reason behind it all? And, and that is the gospel. See, we want to make sure that people know the truth, that we live the truth so people don't go astray and follow a false gospel and end up in that place no one wants to be, a place of no hope, a place of eternal damnation. We don't even say those words in church. It's like, ooh, hell, it's scary, right? But it's a good reminder to us that there are two destinations. There's heaven and there's hell. And we, if we hold on to the truth, we stand in the truth, we can help people. We can be the men and women that God has called us to be. And you'll see today that I'm talking about our calling to contend for the truth. See, this is our calling. And it's not just to know doctrine. It's not to know what the word of God says and not let other things in. It's not just that. We have to understand that the world is squandering squandering hope that the world I had to write it down I was so moved that the world has 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 looked at their eternal fortune and put it aside for the fleeting they are saying I don't want it I want the now and I, I just I just think that's so uh, scary I look at the lost and I think these people that don't even realize that there is an end to this life and then what happens after that? And they're saying, I don't want to deal with it. Now, church, that's what we deal with. We've already dealt with us. 
And it's really sad that the Christian church, we don't take it as seriously as a, a Jehovah's Witness does. We don't take it as seriously as the Mormons do. We, we just kind of, hey, I'm saved by grace, I'm in, and we, and we say, okay, I'll go to church, I'll learn, and if opportunity rises, and yet those people face persecution. I mean, I don't know how many of Jehovah's Witnesses I've turned away from my house because they don't want to hear what I want to say, and you know what, and they're, fine. they're going, fine, I don't care. They go on. And, and the thing is, church, we have to understand that there are people out there, and we cannot sit back and, and watch it all just transpire. Watch it all happen. We can't say, you know, it's my way. This is the way it is. You know, we, we, gotta, we gotta go, hey, you know what? We have to show them truth. Now, now truth does hurt. Truth, sharing with people about God's, the reality of God's judgment, that comes across to a culture that's all feely and all emotional as unloving. But isn't that the greatest love that you could ever give somebody is to be truthful with them because they are headed to hell. They are, have been lied to and they've bought into the lie. And so we have to say, you know what? That doesn't matter. We're here for you. And then, and then we, we get some people in our midst that just go, you know, Tom, you're in the weeds. You're talking about the little things too much, right? You're talking about the little stuff, and the reality is, is those little things matter because they impact who we are as a church. So many people might grab into that false gospel of going, I can get saved, and I can live in my immorality, and I'm fine because I said a prayer. No, if there's going to be life change, if there's going to be something that happens like Jesus entering into your life, there is going to be life change because the Savior is real. And we have to understand what that's like. And we have to understand that that is our task. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, Paul writes this. Now all these things are from God who reconciled himself through Christ and reconciled us through Christ and gave us what? The ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation is coming back, is reuniting, is bringing us back into a relationship. And that's what has happened to us as, G as Jesus followers. We've been reconciled to him. And now it's our ministry. Now, this is something we get to do because we have the truth. You've, had, you've experienced change. You see, in Jude, verse three, it says, very plainly, it says, I felt it necessary to write you, and I write to you, appealing that you, what? Contend earnestly for the truth or for the faith, which was once and for all handed down to the saints. See, we have the truth, now we fight for it. We, we stand for it. But we do it with purpose. Not just to say, I'm right, you're wrong. But to say, please, please hear the truth. That's what our calling is. And so church, to contend for the faith, we have to understand we need to contend for souls with mercy. See, man, we gotta show some mercy out there. Oh, and I'm not saying, you know, remember we did that message and as we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, how people like to be nice, right? And it's not about nice, mushy faith. You know, mercy is we need to be straightforward. We need that people to understand, but we have to be merciful in that. We got to share the truth, but we have to show mercy. This is why, this is why Jude writes this. It says, have mercy on some 
who are doubting. Now, he's talking, there's many people in the church that really don't know. They've come out of a bad religion, a bad, bad doctrine. Maybe they just came in and, and they, they listened to the message and they're going, is this real? Is this a reality? And the thing is, is yeah, it is, but you know, sometimes they, they need a little bit of help. They need a little bit of help in their understanding of what this, this doctrine is and what this truth is. And then so, so often people are, are kind of like waffling and wavering. And this took place in the church a lot, and we know a carnal church, and that's Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians, it's, it, it says very plainly this, if I can get there, in verse 10, or excuse me, in chapter 11, verse 3, it says this, but I am afraid that... As, a ser as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Christ. Now, why does Paul write that? Because people were coming into the church and adding things to the truth. They were adding things that you must do this, that you should experience this, that these gifts should be yours. And the truth is, it's simple. Is you, what? You turn to Jesus, and that means you're turning from your old life. When you accept Christ, the Holy Spirit is bestowed on you. And people have bought into a, another gospel and saying, no, 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 there's a second filling and a third filling. And, uh, and the thing is, is the, he's going, you know, you're gonna turn from the simplicity. And so many people in the church, you know, they're, they're wondering. Because why? They've heard so much bad things, bad doctrine. And they're going, what do we do? You know, it's that simple thing. is like I shared earlier that, that people have an idea going, what do you mean I have to change from my immoral lifestyle? What do you mean? I mean, I, I said the prayer and God's a God of grace and I can keep on my merry way. And I've heard that time and time again at the church, and, and, and not, not at this church, but in churches. And the thing is, is people don't get that there is gonna be life change. And there should be. That's the simplicity of the gospel. New life. It kind of goes with our name of our church, right? New life. And it needs to be embraced. And grace, yes, it's free. Grace is free. It's a free gift of God, Ephesians chapter two, right? And we know it's a free gift, but what happens is that free gift, when it manifests in you, there is life change. Because why? Good works don't save, but you are saved to good works. And so you'll see something that changes there. And we have to understand that we, we have to understand that those people that are doubting need help. Now, one thing about that word, if you look at Jude 22, it uses the word doubting. But the same Greek word used there is in, used in John, or excuse me, Jude 9, which means disputing. You ever hear somebody that's, that's kind of like they're young in the faith and they almost come across to you as they're argumentative? And it seems like, man, they're very much, they're arguing with me. And, and so often we can get on our defenses and say, whoa, 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 whoa. And the thing is, that's okay if somebody is more of a, somebody that's disputing you. It's just, it's, it's a little bit of their immaturity because they don't understand. And they're looking for answers. And so we have to understand what Paul says in 2 Timothy. This is what he says. He says, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, 
with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. You see, these people that sometimes are disputing, they're coming to us, they're not saved or, or they're not sure where they stand. And so we have to be a little bit more patient with them. Now, I, I've experienced this a lot in my ministry, you know, as people come into me and they're, man, they're argumentative. And then I go to the staff and I blow, every, blow it all up and, they, you know, and they commiserate with me and, and we, you know, that's what we do. But the thing is, is we, we want to help them. Want to help them, guide them. And so church, what do we do? We use the truth in it. Look what I wrote here. It says this, we use the truth of God's word in love to help people understand. See, don't try and do it out of your own, own wisdom and experience. You want to go to God's word because it's much easier to be the messenger than somebody that offers a message. Show them what the word of God says. Show them what the truth is. And it's like young, young children, we gotta guide them. I think of my dad when I was younger, you know. Uh, he did things like uh, we didn't have a yard when I, was, when I was lived in the mountains, so we had a deck, right? And it was an enormous deck, but we would get the, the droppings from the trees, all the pine needles and everything, and my job was to sweep the deck, especially whenever there was, there was company coming. And so I remember as a young kid, I'd get out there, and I'd sweep the deck, and it looked great in the middle, you know? Because you get all the stuff off the middle. And the thing is, in the middle looks great. And then my dad would come out and goes, that looks great, Tom. But look, look at the sides along the railings. You got all that stuff in there and the cracks and everything. You got to work on your details. I'm like, yeah, I hated the details. And I get in there with the side of the broom and get it out. And then I have to sweep the whole deck again because I push it into the center where I just swept, you know. And the thing is, is the, that, the, the same for us as we get into the word, the overall understanding, okay, there's grace and this, this is the body of Christ, but let's look a little bit deeper at the details. That's what we do because some people are doubting. They're not sure on how to truly study the word. Proper hermeneutics, proper understanding about how Paul says, as we talked a couple weeks ago, how to cut it straight. And so we need to help them like young children. And so they're doubting, but we need to have that mercy. And that's what Jude wants us to have. But not only that, church, it goes a little deeper now. We need to contend for the convinced souls. Fight for the convinced ones. Because there's some people out there that are convinced they're right. They're convinced, oh, you know, my, my doctrine is right, yours is wrong. And you, so you need to contend for them. Fight for them. And, and that's what we want to do because so many people, as we read, they know, in, in Matthew 7, are going to say, Lord, Lord. We did all these things, and they're not, they're not in the body of Christ. And so we want to fight for them, and we want to make sure of that. And believe me, that's worth it. And the sad part is, is they believe that we're flawed, right? They believe we're flawed. And so that's why we get into the word. But that's why Jude wrote this. It says, save others, snatching them out of the fire. See, he's saying there are some that are destined that are headed to hell. He's, Get them out of the fire. But I want, I'm gonna do a little caveat here before I go any further. It's much easier to keep people out of the fire than to snatch them from it, right? Think about that. So parents, understand this. Protect your children. In our culture today, and where we're headed, we should keep them out of the fire. 
And that sometimes is sheltering. And people go, you shouldn't shelter your kids. Yeah, you should. They're your kids. And we need to guard their hearts. And sometimes it means you don't do what the world's doing. You know, the schools, their job is not to indoctrinate our kids into sexuality. It's the parents' job to instruct. And so we need to guard them from that and do what you can. And many people are trying and they're doing what they can. And thankfully, we got a new law that's passed in Arizona that you don't have to send your, your kid to one of those schools. You know, Ducey signed it. We're just waiting for the money to come, but you can send it to a private school or you can use that money to homeschool now. And we need to understand that we should be guarding and protecting our kids from the fire. There's gonna be plenty of time for our young people to what? Be adults, all right? Let's guide them because it's so difficult to snatch people from the fire because a lot of times people don't want to get out of the fire because why? They don't realize where they're headed. They just know it's more fun. It's more palatable. It's more easy. But we contend for them. We fight for them as we're encouraged. See, if you're that one of those people that fights for them, it's a blessing. And James writes about this in the last two verses of his book. He says this in verse 19. He says, but my, my brethren... If anyone among you strays from the faith and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. See, James is talking about, hey, you know what? When we, we turn him back, there's, his whole life of sin will, will be forgiven. And we should contend for them, fight for them, snatching them out of the fire. This is how we want to do that. We, we want to help them. So, so how do we? How do we do it? How are we to save them? Well, the first one is, is you got you to learn. That's why we offer different classes on understanding the word. We're actually going to be starting a class this fall for our junior and senior high, more aimed at equipping them of what we believe and why we believe it. For parents, we're going to be starting a class for you. It's not a parenting class, but it's a demographic class. So you can commiserate with each other, get help, and give you those topics so you can understand and how to do things better. We want to do some great things as a church. Church, what we have to understand, if we want to snatch people out of the fire, we got to use God's word. See, we use God's word to rescue people from false ideology. That's the only way you're going to do it. Because this is what's alive. Your experience is great, but this is what will impact people's hearts. This is what it's about, this. So often we kind of go into people and go, let me tell you what God did for me. Let me tell you about the revelation I had. Let me tell you about my experience. That's not how it works. See, even like we talked about last time, even the apostles, they turn to the word of God. And we have to turn to the word of God as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses three and following. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying supplications and every lofty thing raised up against what? The knowledge, this, of God. And we, have and we are taking every thought captive. It's a mental thing. To the obedience of Christ. How are we obedient to Christ? Understanding his word. 
You want to know what's really, what's really powerful? Is we got to remind ourselves in Hebrews, and we have to say this. It says, for, every, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit. See, the word pierces, not my words. It's the word of God. You want to make somebody feel under, uncomfortable? Point the word of God out to them. No, 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 I don't want that. Why not? In churches around the world, they're not getting into this, but they're getting into what everybody else is doing. What's going on in your world? What's going on in the word? That's what we want to be. That's where we are called to be. Now, when we do this, we use wise language. I think of the woman at the well, how Christ dealt with her in compassion. But she says, give me this water, this living water, I want it. But he wanted to make sure she was truly yearning. And so she, he pointed out the sin, the waywardness of her life. And then she just couldn't believe, oh man, you know, my sin convicts me. You see, Jesus always takes it to the next level. He doesn't just give the feely and the feel good. He goes, you know what, there's sin that you need to deal with. And what does she do? She, she had salvation because she, she, she realized, isn't this the Christ? Isn't this real? Then Jesus was also more poignant, right, with the Pharisees? You know, as, as Jesus talked about the light and being the light of the world, the Pharisees were coming up against him. And he was truthful with them saying, you're wicked. You're in your wicked ways and you're blind to the truth. And we have to understand that having mercy isn't being a doormat, but it's being somebody that is, is offering something that you want them to have. And so you're fighting for them. But then it gets even deeper. So not only are there the convinced, but there's the committed. And we need to con contend for the committed souls. Those people that are sold out. Now, this isn't for every believer. This isn't for somebody who thinks they know God and, that, and I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna stand in the way because the people that are so involved, that are so committed, they're looking at you as the apostate. Right now, people think that I would preach a false gospel. And so there's actually been people that left our church. That's fine. But the thing is, is they're so committed to their ideology that they're going, this is the way I is. And you have to be strong in what you believe. But not only that, you have to be prepared. Because these people, you know, they think and they are right and they will take you to school and to task. That's why he writes this in Jude. He says, and on some have mercy with fear, hating the garment polluted by the flesh. See, this is graphic language, but we'll, we'll take it apart. See, that first part is fear. That means extreme caution. See, we have to approach certain people with extreme caution because some, they're very convincing and you like them and you love who they are and then know what it'll be? Sympathy can creep into your heart. And we have to guard ourselves from that. And so often this happens in family. You might have a wayward child who decided to be uh, somebody that's identifying by a different gender. You might have somebody that's embracing a uh, immoral lifestyle or a, a wrong doctrine of a church and you love them and you want them to be saved and they are convincing in their argument and you go, oh, why don't I just give in to some of my basic tenets of my faith? And that's a hard place to be. 
and our emotions and our sympathies can come in. I don't have to, you might think, I don't have to believe that little thing because I'm saved by grace. See, church, understand, just because you are a wiser and mature Christian doesn't mean you can't fall into the trap. It doesn't mean it. Just because you've been brought up in the faith and you've been a faith or a pastor for how long, it doesn't mean that you can't make a mistake. And so that's why Jude uses graphic language here. He says, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. See, what's he talking about there? He's talking about a literally garment that is stained. He's using this analogy for us that this garment is stained by a bodily fluid. This is graphic. I mean, how many people want to deal with other people's dirty underwear? Not me. And so what do you do? You, you, have, you look at it with disdain. You, you don't like it. You, that's the way you approach it. Not embracing it out of going, oh, I love you and I want to save you and your religion's fine or this. You look at that and you go, I love you, but you are way off, way off the charts. That is what he's getting at. That is what we have to understand. That their system is corrupt. And check it out in the word. Talk to a pastor. Rance, Claudio, and I, Ted, you know, we love the word of God and we are in there and we, God has taken us to schools to be trained in this and so we want you to be equipped too because it's dangerous. I mean, Paul writes about this in Romans. And in Romans chapter 16 Look what it says in verse 17. It says, I urge you, brethren, keep your eyes on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teachings from which you learned and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites and their own smooth and flattering speech. They deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. See, they're smooth. And their appetite is their religion. They're sold out on it. And they, they can bring you in because it is very attractive. It's all-encompassing. You know, you see people are coming to the Lord. It's exciting. There's great things happening. Check and see where they stand. We're dealing with this in our own home, looking at different things, and, and we're, we're learning about what people are, 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 are teaching. And it's a scary place. And so that's why we have to be people that are contending for the truth. But there's, there's a joy here. There's a joy here. See, if you are one that is standing on the truth, and you are showing the mercy, and you want to reach the committed, you want to reach the, the doubting, you want to reach the convinced, and you have this heart and this passion, that is a great place to be. Because that means you are a messenger of Christ. That means you know what God has in store for people, good and bad. You want that to happen, and you want people to join you on that day. I mean, I, I was looking at Facebook this week, and, and, and it's like there were pictures of a variety of things, and, and there was one like somebody is like, you're, you're before judgment seat of Christ. It's like there are many people that won't be at the judgment seat of Christ. They're gonna be at the white throne judgment, and that should break your heart because you might see them daily. But church, to invite them, to show them. Church, that is the great place to be. Because look at this. God keeps the saints. God keeps them. 
I use that word keeps. He holds you tight. Because if you are one of those saints, if you are one of those saints, you are persevering. The, the doctrine is called the perseverance of the saints. That's why Paul says, I, I persevere, I press on towards the goal so that I won't be disqualified. That's what Paul says. That's the perseverance of the saints. You want to know how you know you're saved? That eternal, that eternal assurance? It's when you just sit back and go, I, I'm not going to give in. I'm going to keep going. I might fail, but my God's going to hold me tight. Look what I wrote here. And Well, actually, Jude wrote this. He says this. Now to him who is able to keep you from what? Stumbling. See, Jude, you're sitting there. Well, I stumble all the time. Yeah, but that's not what Jude is getting at. He's saying you're going to stumble. Yeah, but you're not going to fall away from the faith because you have this perseverance. I'm going to keep going. That's what I want. And God says, yes, don't worry. I'm going to hold on to you tight. See, this is, this is that wonderful assurance. We're actually going to start in, in a couple of weeks. We're going to start our new series in Ephesians. And we're calling it a, a portrait of a true believer. And what does that look like? Well, we're going we're gonna to show that, hey, the saint perseveres. The elect, they know. They know the truth and they're going for it and they're keeping going and going further and further with it. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to fail at times in your life, which I fail. But as we're reminded in Proverbs, it says very plainly, for the righteous man falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in the time of calamity. Church, you know what? That stumble, they're, they're not going to stay on the path. See, that's where you see, you know, someone that perseveres and then someone that, that was been in the church for a little bit and then they go their own merry way and say, I, I did that, now I'm on to something else. That's not what a believer does. We keep going because we know God is speaking through us or to us through his word and is guiding us. And John says very plainly, in John chapter 10, verse 27, it says, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, I give them eternal life to them, and they will never perish. And no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. See, he's keeping you. But then he doubles down, and Jesus says this: My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. See, church, you persevere. Yeah, you're gonna stumble. You're gonna, you might trip up, but you're gonna want to keep going. You're gonna to wanna to keep in the faith. That's the wonder of Christ. That's why we can see in Ephesians 4.30, it says, Holy, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. See, the, the Greek word seal, that, 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 can, that, that shares that, hey, you're, you're purchased. It's ownership. That's what that means there. So he's never going to let you go. It's a security. It's a guarantee. That promise is a guarantee. We are sealed. And in that sealing, as you are one that perseveres and you want other people to come, the wonderful thing is this. I love this, how we wrap it up. It says, God presents the saints. The, this is the joy. As we, as believers, will one day stand before the bridegroom. We will stand before Christ. And God's going to say, here is your reward. And we are presented to Christ. And we can look around, and if we are ones that contended for the truth and contended for the faith, we're going to see people that we impacted with us. 
And that's a joyful time. And Jude writes up his epistle, and he finishes it up like this. And to, some, and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless, with great joy to the only God and Savior through our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. I mean, we're going to stand there and we're going to go, wow. And we're, it's going to be like, this has never began and it never ended. We are just going to enjoy it for as it is. Because why? We are presented to him. We are given to him blameless. So all that stuff that we failed, all those things. But if we persevered, we stood for the truth and we are there and we know Christ is in us. We are going to be like, yes. And those people that we impacted, they can be with us too. It's their choice, don't get me wrong, but they can be. But church, we need to be those people that forevermore we will stand before our God. And it's gonna be a joyful time. I don't know what it's like to be blameless. I don't know what that truly is like, but I'm gonna be that person. And you know why? And it's gonna be great joy because what Christ did for me on that cross. Now, the reality is this. As it says in Philippians, it says, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But look at that verse. Every knee. Those that embraced him will have great joy because we are blameless before him in glory. But then there's going to be people in great fear because they rejected him. They followed a false gospel, a gospel of self, a doctrine of demon. So church, we need to contend for those souls. We need to step up to our calling because one day we will stand in glory and I pray that we will bring as many people we can with us because our God loves us so much. And as the worship team's gonna come forward, we're gonna prepare for communion, but get, to, get this to understand. There are some in this room that are fearful right now because they have not contended for the truth. Maybe that's you. Maybe you know somebody. If you want Christ in your heart, it's very simple. Let's just bow our heads together. And we say this, we say, Jesus, save me. I hate my sin, save me, and I need you to be my savior. Come into my life. Just ask him to do that. And Christian, if you've followed a wrong doctrine, if you've fallen, it's okay to rise again and repent of that sin. What better day to do it than as we take the Lord's Supper? Lord God in heaven, you know our hearts, you know our situation, you know where we're at. And as we take these elements together in just a moment, I pray, God, that souls would be changed and turned to you.
I pray, God, as we read in Jude, that we can stand on this truth and fight for it for the souls of men and women, boys and girls. Lord, let us stand on your truth. Let us be the men and women you've called us to be. Let us be contenders for the lost. We ask this in Jesus' name.